Welcome to The Heart Zone, a podcast ministry of Curransville Christian Church, featuring the teaching ministry of George Cannon. For more information about Curransville Christian Church, visit us on the web at www.curransvillechristian.org. And now, for a message from The Heart Zone, here's George. All right, folks, I'd like you to turn your Bibles to John chapter 13. John chapter 13. You know, we're going through the Gospel of John. We're wanting to meet Jesus. And as we're meeting Jesus, we're learning about ourselves. And we're also learning about others around us and how they respond to Jesus. And what we're going to read today is about how, not just about Jesus and what he wants us to do, but we're also going to talk about what he he uh, is expecting of us and how that's going to impact others around us. And so we're going to look today at a new commandment. Now remember, we're in that section of, of John, so we're in this third major part. These five chapters are in one evening over a few hours in the upper room. So 25% of this gospel is devoted to a few hours in the upper room where Jesus is teaching them about how we are to be while he's away. Because he's told them, I'm going to be away. I'm going away. I'm going to, my hour has come. The Father's going to be glorified. I'm going to be glorified. Where I go, you can't go with me. Here's what I want you to do. And so this is a very, very important passage of scripture today. Why? Because I'm just going to point out to you one point because we're in confusion. What do you mean we're in confusion? Well, it's easy for believers to get confused about life while we're waiting. What do you mean we're waiting? Well, remember, he said, I'm going away, but I'm going to come back, right? So he's away, and in the meantime, here we are. We're supposed to live our lives. The problem is today, most of us are confused about what we're supposed to do during the meantime. What, what are we supposed to do? Now, here's one thing people will tell you is, oh, well, you know, we've got to do this, and we've got to do this. And, and you can fill in the blank with what you're hearing. Other pastors and other teachers through the centuries have told you what we should be doing while Jesus is away, and this is what we should be focusing on. And to be honest with you, a lot of the things that are stressed are good things. But it's interesting to me, we're going to read a passage where there is no confusion. Jesus flat out tells us what we need to be doing. In fact, it isn't even a suggestion. Like, you know, you know what a suggestion is, right? Okay, so if Lori and I are going away and Hudson's at home, you know, we, we, we don't say to him, hey, you know, while we're away, here's five things that we'd like for you to do. Uh, if you got the time, take care of these five things, okay? That, that's a suggestion, right? Uh, he'll tell you that that's not what we say. We'll say, okay, we're going away. Take care of these three things. It's a command we give him, right? And what do we expect? That when we come back, those three things are taken care of, right? We all understand that, right? So what Jesus is getting ready to tell us is a commandment. 
It's not a suggestion. And so what is a commandment? It's something that you and I are supposed to be doing. Well, I know what that is, George. Are you sure? You might actually be shocked at what it is. Well, why don't we let Jesus tell us what it is, okay? So I want you to notice with me, we're going to start at verse 31, and we're going to go to verse 38, okay? John 13, verse 31. So when he had gone out, that's speaking of Judas, when Judas had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. And if God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him immediately. Little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. You will seek me, and as I said to the Jews, where I am going, you cannot come. So now I say to you, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered him, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. And Jesus answered him, will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. All right, so here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to look, we're going to basically take this passage and we're going to divide it into three sections, okay? We're going to look, first of all, at his going away. He's going to go away. He's going to explain what's happening there. Then we're going to look at the command. We're going to look at what Jesus says we should be doing right now, okay? And then we're going to look at his understanding because he understands human beings. And I think that's important because... When it comes to commands, how good are we at keeping them? Not very good at all, are we? Okay? But let's look at his understanding as well. So let's start, first of all, with his going away. I want you to notice with me verse 31 and 32. He's going to talk about his going away, but what's happening right now? Remember he said earlier in the passage, my hour has not yet come. Well, we get to this evening on Thursday, and now he's saying, my hour has come. And now as he's saying that, he's saying, look with me at verse 31, now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. What's he doing here? Here's what he's trying to help you and I understand. That Jesus stresses that he and the Father are glorified in his suffering. So Jesus is letting them know that everything that he's going to have to endure. So when they leave the upper room, they make their way up to the Mount of Olives, to the garden, that 
what's going to happen? Jesus is going to be taken from there. He's going to be taken to the high priest and he's going to go through interrogation. He's going to be beaten. He's going to end up being on the next day taken to the Romans. They're going to scourge him. Judgment is going to be pronounced on him because everybody says crucify him. They're going to take him, lead him up to Golgotha, nail him to a cross. He's going to die there and be buried. And here's what Jesus says. I'm now glorified. And my father is glorified as well. He's going to be glorified through his suffering. Now, that is so foreign to us. Okay? That's so foreign to us. Why? Because we don't think in terms of those kind of things as being glorified. What's glorifying to us is watching some guy score the final touchdown and your team wins. Glory. That's wonderful. That's glorious, right? Or, or the, or the uh, playoffs right now with the NHL. Watching some guy score that goal and they win the cup. That's glorious, right? Somebody dying on a tree? Being brutalized and buried quickly? Where's the glory in that? But Jesus is saying, look, I'm going to be glorified. And the Father is going to be glorified. What's he stressing here? He's having to have to go through what he's going to go through. It's all for a purpose. For you and I. Here's the second thing I want you to see. Jesus tells his disciples he's going where they can't go. That had to be shocking to them. Look, look at what he says there, verse 33. Little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. You will seek me, and as I said to the Jews, where I am going you cannot come. Now I say to you. All right, so I want you to picture this, okay? So they're in this upper room. There's 11 of them there because Judas has left, okay? He's gone to go sell his Lord to the high priest for 30 pieces of silver. So the rest of them are there. They're having a meal together. Jesus is sharing with them. Now, in their mind, the 11 who are with him, here's what they're thinking. Any day now. We've been following him for three years. This is the Messiah. He's been welcomed into Jerusalem. The crowds are shouting for him. Look at the miracles he's done. He just raised somebody from the dead. It's just a matter of time. He's going to take out the Romans and wear his right-hand men. And everything's going to be wonderful. Didn't he just say he's going to be glorified? Didn't he just say he's going to be glorified? Didn't he just say he's going to come into his glory? We're here with him, the Messiah. Yeah, and then Jesus says, hey, I'm going away. And you can't come with me. That's got to blow their minds. Because that's not what they're expecting, right? They've got to be crushed. I'll give you the story that helps you understand that crushing, okay? So when I was a teenager and I got my license, you know, I grew up in, in South Carolina, although I grew up in a lot of Army bases. Most of my life was in Columbia, South Carolina, right outside of Fort Jackson. My dad said to me, hey, I'm going to get you a car. And I thought, wow, dad, that is awesome. Okay, so this is, 
This is 1982-83, okay? And he knows that I have been talking about that if we ever got a car, I'd like to get a 76 Chevy Nova, okay? And yeah, that was a car back then, okay? But for some reason, I was fixated on a Nova. And I'm like, and, 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 and it, it was like towards the weekend, and it was the summer, and my dad said, hey, I'm going to go pick up the car. Now, he didn't want me to go along with him, but he said, I'm going to pick up the car, and I'm going to bring it back, okay? I'm going to bring it back, and I'm like, I'm a teenager who's like, oh, dad's getting me a car. So I waited for this car. And so I'm watching the show uh, on TV and uh, waiting for my dad to show up. And I hear a vehicle pull in and the front door open. And dad says, it's here. I got the vehicle for you. And I'm like, oh, awesome. I got a car now. He got that Nova. And I run out the front door and I look in the driveway and it's a mail Jeep. A 1975 DJ, not a CJ, a DJ5 with the sliding doors, all the arms hanging off of it with all the different mirrors. And I was crushed. I can understand these guys. I was waiting for a Nova. I got a Jeep. Not even a Jeep, a male Jeep, okay? These guys are waiting for him to show up and take out the Romans, and now he's saying, I'm going away. So what does he tell them to do? He tells them what they need to do in the meantime. Here's what you need to do. A new commandment I give you. So let's look at it. Look with me, verse 34 and 35. It's pretty, pretty explanatory. And, and, and we're going to look exactly what he means here. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, that as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this will they know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. So here's what he's saying. I'm going away, and here's what I want you to do. Fight the fight. No, that's not what he's saying. Love each other. So there's three things I want to stress here, okay? Three things that have just come out of this passage, okay? First of all, Jesus gave his disciples a command to carry out while he's gone. Okay, so he gave that 2,000 years in the upper room. That command still holds true even to this day. To this day, folks, because why? He hasn't come back yet, right? So the command is still there for the followers of Jesus to carry out. This is what he wants us to focus on. It's loving each other. This is the command. It's very plain language. While I'm gone, I'm going away. Here's a command. You do this. Okay, second thing I want you to see here. He commands us to love each other as he loved us. Now, here's what he's saying. He's saying, love each other. Now, just so you understand what he's talking about, he's not saying go up to each other and say, oh, I love you, kissy face. He's saying, love each other how? Like he loved us. How did Jesus love his disciples? 
How did he love them? Think about that. Some, we gotta, if you process that for a moment, it isn't that he went up and gave them a bro hug. Did you understand what I'm saying? He, he loved them practically. Why? How? Peter, we've got to pay our taxes. Go cast a line and bring in a fish. You'll find two coins in it. Pay the tax for me and for you. Why? Because he loved Peter. And he provided for Peter to pay for a tax, right? Peter, your mother-in-law is sick. I'll take care of that. Heals Peter's mother-in-law. She gets up and what? Starts serving them. Jesus loved practically. He, he met them in their needs. He, he, it wasn't just words being spoken. It was through actions. And guess what? They loved him because of that. And so here's what he's saying. He's saying to you and I as believers in Jesus Christ, what I want you to do is love each other like I loved you. In fact, this isn't the only place that he says that, right? Husbands, love your wives as I love the church and gave myself for you. There he's describing the love, a sacrificial love. So th this is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to love each other practically. Now, why do we do that? There's the third point. This is how people will know that we are the followers of Jesus Christ. This is how people will know that you are a believer in Jesus Christ, a follower. Look, folks, it's not because you wear a gold chain around your neck with a cross that tells everybody you're a Christian. I remember when I went into the military, they used to, on my dog tags, it was stamped Baptist. It's not because I filled out the Baptist slot on my, on my uh, form when I joined and then they stamped it on my dog tags that says, I'm a Christian. That's not the point. People know you're a Christian by what? He says it right here. By how you love people. Because you love them like he loved people. Did you know? It's not the stand I take. You know, I used to hear that all the time when I was a young Christian in, 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 the, in the church that I went to. I stand on the Bible. I, I, why I believe there's a hell. And I, I mean, wonderful. You can all know all that doctrine, but that's not telling anybody you're a Christian. When you're being a jerk, did you understand? It's by your, what? Love for one another. That's the command he's giving us here. How are we doing with that? I've been, I've been thinking about that a lot lately. I've been thinking about how, how, how are we doing, Jesus, while you're, while you're away? If you were like, and you are, peering in on our lives right now, wondering how we're doing while you're away, how, how are we doing with that? I, I, I'll be honest with you, for George... For George, I can't speak for you, but for me, I, I'm not doing too well with this command, right? Oh yeah, I love the people I like, but remember I talked to you last week about our tendency is to what? Write people off, right? This is how they'll know that you're my disciples. 
by your love for one another. Wow. Now it's interesting though because the passage continues on and it's interesting that he would continue on finishing out the chapter with a guy who really loves Jesus. Now you cannot deny that Peter doesn't love Jesus. He loves Jesus. And here he is. He's asking a question. Look with me at verse 36 through 38. Peter, Peter is dumbfounded. Okay, yeah, I got this new commandment. Okay, yeah. But what he's focused on is, what do you mean where are you going? I can't go with you. Look what he says, verse 36. Lord, where are you going? It just blows his mind because here's Peter. I gave up my fishing nets. I followed you for three years. I believe. I've, I've proclaimed you are the Christ, the Son of God. What do we have? We left everything to follow you. I mean, those are the things that came out of Peter's mouth earlier. It's like, where are you going, Lord? Jesus says, look, I'm going somewhere you can't, can't go. And so I want you to notice with me, this is the first thing I want you to see here about understand. Look with me at verse, what Peter says in verse 37. Lord, why can't I not follow you? So again, he's like, why can't I follow you? And then notice what he says. I will, what, lay down my life for your sake. He's expressing devotion. I'll die for you, Jesus. And here's what I want you to see. It's easy to express devotion to Jesus. It's easy. It's easy when you, when, like, even with this command, you are to love one another. Yes, I'll do that, Lord. I'll love other people. It's easy to express that, right? This is what blows my mind, is the understanding. Look with me at what, what Jesus said to him. Verse 38, we know it. Will you lay down your life for my sake? Peter, I mean, I hear what you're saying, Peter. Will you really lay down your life for my sake? Now, isn't it interesting? Just a few little bit later on that evening, they're in the garden. Here comes all these guards and temple guards and everything. And, and Peter, what does he do? He's first one there, whips out a sword, cuts off a guy's ear. Well, he's got to show that he loves Jesus, right? But a little bit later in the evening when he's confronted by a maiden, by a fire, aren't you one of those Galileans? Get away from me, I don't even know who he is. Jesus knows that. And he tells Peter, most assuredly I say to you, the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. Here's what I want you to see. Yet Jesus knows the frailty of the human heart. Aren't you glad for that? Aren't you glad, I know I am, that even though he tells me, this is what I want you to do while I'm away, he understands I'm human. And that I'm going to what? Mess up. And don't we? 
So what do I do? Pick myself up. And keep moving forward, doing what? What he told me to do. So what do we do with this, George? Where, where does this go here with this passage? I mean, he's trying to get us to understand him. And hopefully you're going to get a pick, bigger picture of him through what we just read. But also understand what he wants from us and knowing ourselves. So here, here's what I want you to see. Here's what he's saying to us. Guys, I'm going away. Well, we already know that. He went away, right? And in the meantime, you love each other like I loved you. So it's more than just a, a lip service thing. It's a practical thing that you extend love towards each other. And by this, by that, by knowing that you love and accept people, that you love them, what? They'll know that you are my disciples. But here's the thing. I also know this. I also know you're human. And talk is cheap. But I understand that. Isn't that awesome about God? He understands our frailty. He understands that we're human. But he still calls us to what? Obey him. If you love me, you'll what? Keep my commandments, right? Something to think about. Let me pray for you.